Good morning. Time for the... Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovia is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seeds website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. Farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5 as Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news in agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the Farm Show on Wax 104.5. Good morning to you. I'm Kristen Smith along with Jill Welke. Good morning, Jill. And how was your weekend? It was good. How about yours? It was a long weekend of bleacher butt again. (laughs) I'm glad I don't have that. I just got to babysit my couple of my grandkids. So. Oh, very nice. <clears throat> I gave them a bath, and I think I was just about as wet as they were. <laughs> that happens quite a bit, especially when you start splashing, Grandma. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's always funny because I was always the fun aunt. So I would get the kids in there, let them splash, make a mess. I, of course, I was sneaky, though. I pulled the curtain, and then I'm like, okay, now you guys can splash. <laughs> so that way I stay nice and dry. And then as a mom, I'm like, don't splash, don't splash. But, yeah, as grandma, it's kind of like. Oh, I let them splash. Yeah, free reign. I let them, I let them dump the water. I Because actually there's a lot of good things that happen because it works on their dexterity. And, you know, as being a teacher now, I pay more attention to that kind of stuff. And it seems like they're cleaner. Yeah. They're nice and clean. Oh, yeah. They get water and soap everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And if they're not clean, guess what? The bathroom floor is. (laughs) Yeah, that got clean, too. (laughs) Well, if you're just waking up, getting ready to roll out of bed, guess what? We got fog today. It was kind of sketchy about halfway in for me. Once I got closer to Osseo, then it cleared off a bit. Visibility was better, but... It was kind of sketchy when I first started out this morning. It's still out there. Man, alive. It just seems to stick with us for so long. Well, and I was looking at the forecast. The high for Wednesday is going to be 46 degrees. That's like shorts and t-shirt weather. I know. We're going to have to check in with our 13 First Alert meteorologists and see, is that have we ever seen that high temp in January before? We'll find out. We saw, what, 60s and 70s two years ago in December. I wonder if we'll get... Well, the way the jet streams are and El Nino and La Nina and all that, I always forget what is which, and and uh, we're supposed to stay warm. Wow. It's kind of a bummer, though, because there's no snow. Like, this year was kind of a, you know, it doesn't feel like winter and Christmas without that, you know, beautiful snow. Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of clubs and chapters that want to go <laughs> tubing and skiing and... You know, even if the facility can make their snow, it doesn't stay around very long at 30 and 40 degrees. No, and unfortunately, Bruce Mound down in the Hatfield area, they have that winter sports area with the big chalet, big hills. They're shut down now for the season because of the lack of snow and lack of cold. They can't keep up. Well, and that's such a bummer because that's always such a good, fun place to be. Yep. 
So if you're thinking about hitting the ice to go ice fishing, be careful. Check, make sure it is safe before you go out there. Because, yeah, once you go under, it's not fun trying to get back out if you can get back out. Oh, well, hey, we got a little bit of news for you this morning. And then we got a side story that's going to go along with it. The World Championship Cheese Contest is gearing up to take place March 5th through the 7th in Madison. This year, over 50 cheese experts from 19 countries and 11 U.S. states will gather to assess thousands of cheeses, butter, yogurt, and dry dairy entries. If you're interested in seeing this magic happen firsthand, preliminary rounds are open to the public on March 5th and 6th from 10 to 3. For those unable to attend in person, the grand unveiling of the World Champion Cheese will be live streamed on March 7th at 2 p.m. Exciting stuff. It is exciting stuff. We're going to be talking a big story about cheese coming up in just a little bit. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. We're going to touch base on some farm news for you this morning. So I mentioned earlier the World Championship Cheese Contest that's going to be happening in March. But speaking of cheese and, of course, that magic... Cheese lovers, you need to be prepared because the Wisconsin Cheese Dreams Contest is on now. Over the years, Wisconsin Cheese has made lots of cheese dreams come true. But what is a Wisconsin Cheese experience that you've always wanted to have but never thought would be possible? Jill, do you ever think about that? Like, what kind of a cheese dream is possible? Well, all the cheese that I was actually to Ellsworth and their creamery, you have to go to the... Ellsworth Co-op Creamery when you go to Ellsworth and I taped an FFA on the air. And what they do with cheeses is amazing. Mm -hmm. All the different flavors to what they add into it. And I had to get some advice even on what kind of cheese to get. Oh, yeah. So what this cheese dreams contest is, as have you ever, like, are you interested in receiving a personal wheel of award-winning Parmesan to prepare the ultimate pasta dinner? Or spending a night in a cheese cave? I don't know about that. (laughs) I think I'm out on that one. Or crafting a cheese Ferris wheel. Now, if you think of these ideas, a cheese Ferris wheel. So that's just an idea. I mean, a cheese dream. A cheese dream. It's kind of interesting. So if you want to do that and have always dreamed of, and they said you can do like, like your dream cheese wedding. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So you know how they usually have like the champagne fountain? You can do a cheese fountain. Or if you want a bouquet of cheese flowers. (laughs) Anything is possible. If you are a cheese lover, this is for you. Now, of course, you want to win the contest. So you have to enter the contest by either uploading a 15 to 45 second video post to Instagram feed or Reels, which is on Facebook. Or you can go to www.wisconsincheese.com slash dreams and upload that 15 to 45 second video and a written description of your dream. The Wisconsin Cheese Dreams Contest is going on now through the day of love, Valentine's Day. Grand prizes will go out on or around National Cheese Day, which is June 4th. Sounds like a cheesy endeavor. Ooh, did you hear that pun in there? (laughs) Cheesy endeavor. It's going to be a Gouda experience. I'm sure it will. But I mean, I read this story and I'm like, what would be my cheese dream? I I don't know. I like cheese, but I don't know if I want to like sleep in a cheese cave. Yeah. What would your cheese dream be? I don't know. That's why I was asking you. Uh, I don't know. I It's kind of a lot to think about this morning. I, I know. It's just something like I never knew that was a thing. 
Well, I made potato cheese soup yesterday. That was about my dream for the day. Well, see, there you go. So you need some of that award-winning cheese to make the ultimate soup. Okay. See, look at that. We're we're getting you. I've got to work on it, though. You better. Oh, man. Maybe you're going to be in the cave. Oh, yeah. Keep me in the dark, all right. (laughs) And this morning's markets again are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And Jill, lead us off for the morning. Here's our cash livestock. Choice fed beef steers are 170 to 183 with mixed steers 142 to 169. Choice fed beef heifers are 172 to 181 with mixed heifers at 123 to 171. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 150 to 178. And choice fed Holstein steers are 147 to 154. Select and silage fed steers are 120 to 146. Cows are 80 to 132. Bulls are 95 to 112. Butcher hogs are 25 to 54 with sows at 17 to 24 and boars at 10 to 16. Shorn and unshorn market lambs are 165 to $2. Feeder lambs are 2 to $3. Ewes are 75 to 140 with small goats at 25 to 185. Medium goats at 105 to 230. Large goats are at 180 to 350. And nanny goats are at 25 to 275. Thank you so much, Jill. And switching over to that Mercantile Exchange, your live cattle for February is at 178.45, up 72. April's at 181.67, up 97. June is at 178.85, up $1.25. Feeder cattle for March is at 239.70, up $1.52. April's at 245.60, up $1.67. And May is at 251.17, up $1.92. Lean hogs for February is at 74.92, up 62 cents. April's at 83.20, up 70. May is at 87.80, up 50 cents. Switch it over to that Chicago Board of Trade on the overnight. Your March corn was down 4 cents to 4.41. Your March oats, they were up a penny to a 3.65. March beans were down a dime to 11.99. March soybean meal was down $1.90 to 3.47.10 a ton. March wheat slipped down a dime to 5.90. On the dairy side, barrel cheese. Actually, dairy overall had a great day on Friday. Barrels were up three cents to $1.47. Your blocks were up one and a half cents to $1.53 and three quarters. Double A grade butter up seven and a quarter cent to $2.76. Class three futures for January. Those remained unchanged because we're getting close to the end of the month. They won't fluctuate too much. $15.20 was the close on Friday. February milk up 20 cents to $16.06. March up 38 cents to $16.53. April up 29 cents to $16.86. May was up 12 to 17.25, and then those markets were upward trending through December. And speaking of Wink, do you think Brent Wink will be at the Corn Soy Expo at the end of this week? Well, it'd be cool to find out if he is, but I dare you to find him at the Corn Soy Expo. And that is Thursday and Friday at the Kalahari Conference Center in Wisconsin Dells. And like last year, it is being hosted by the Wisconsin Soybean Association, the Wisconsin Corn Growers Association, and the Wisconsin Pork Association. The program kicks off on Thursday, February 1st at 8 with a keynote address from Angie Seitzer. Seitzer has been in the cash grain industry for over 18 years. Annual meetings and sessions will take place during the day and back by popular demand. The Beer and Bull Session on Thursday afternoon. Attendees will have the chance to ask agronomic questions over ice-cold beverage. I'm sure it's going to be milk. I'm sure. 
<laughs> Boy, you caught me off guard there. A farm bill session will start the day on Friday morning, followed by Rob Sharkley, better known as the Shark Farmer. He'll be the lunch keynote speaker on Friday. And everything wraps up on Friday afternoon at 3. Thank you so much, Jill, for that update. You know, I just think it's kind of, I would be interested to see the Shark Farmer. I think I saw him last year, but okay. I think we were kind of in and out and and um, had to... Well, you were too busy drinking your ice-cold beverage of milk. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, you know, we're talking the Corn Soy Expo. I wonder if they'll have beer that's made from corn? Ooh, I guess you'll have to find <laughs> out when you're down there. <laughs> yep, I will. Well, we're a ways away before we get out into the fields, but Mr. Bob Bosold had a chance to speak with Rodrigo Worley. He's a weed specialist down at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Yep, he is, and he's kind of fun to talk to because I talked to him last fall even, and his take on the weeds out there and what's coming in next is always interesting. Sounds good, and here he is, Mr. Bob, with Rodrigo. One researcher that's not going to run out of work anytime soon at the University of Wisconsin-Madison College of Agriculture and Life Sciences is Rodrigo Worley, and uh, Rodrigo is, uh, well, for lack of uh, anything else, he's a weed specialist. And I'm telling you what, like I said, Rodrigo, you got a lot of work to do. What kind of a year was it this year? It was a different growing season. We had some mostly dry weather. How did that mean for weeds? Yeah, no, that's spot on, Bob. So... Resistance has kept us really, really busy since I got here in Wisconsin in 2018, right? Five years doing a lot of work on resistance management. And then this 2023 growing season made things a little more complicated, if you would, right? So we had uh, drought conditions. And during drought years, uh, weed management, believe it or not, becomes very, very challenging, okay? Uh, If you've heard from us uh, speaking over the years, there's two things that we like to recommend for weed management. One of them is the use of effective pre-emergent herbicides with good soil residual activity. That's first. The second one, from an integrated weed management standpoint, we like to recommend the use of cover crops. Uh, to be more specific, high biomass cover crops, because the more biomass your cereal rye cover crop can produce, the better weed suppression you can get in a soybean year. Our research has shown that. All right, Bob, what is the one thing that we need for pre-emergent herbicides to work and to allow us to produce a high biomass cover crop? Moisture. You spot on moisture and that's one thing that we did not have uh, plenty of this year so starting from the cover crops you know 2023 was a great year you know to not listen to me and to terminate those cover crops early okay uh this week here we've heard of the predictions for the 2024 season uh we are kind of in a el nino phase what they're saying a little warmer spring or warmer winter and drier winter Right, with the possibilities of that carrying into the spring. So we don't know what's going to happen next spring, but there's a chance we might be dry again. So we got to be thinking about this. Okay, so folks that have cover crops out there, uh, you know, one thing that you may want to consider if it's another dry spring like we had this year, terminate that cover crop early. Do not let that cover crop grow excessively. What we are talking during the meetings here this week, once that cover crop, you know, the zero right cover crop reaches reproductive stages, is using 0.3 inches of water per day. So letting the cover crop grow for an extra week, we're talking about two inches of water right there that we may not have, okay? So we got to be strategic about that. 
The other thing that kept me really busy this year uh, was the fact that we, it was so dry, right? And for pre-emergent herbicides to work, we need moisture. We need rainfall to bring those herbicides into the soil. But for these herbicides to be effective, that soil has to stay wet. Herbicides must be, you know, pre-emergent herbicides, they have to be in soil solution. If they're not in soil solution, they're not controlling weeds, okay? So the big question that I get is, Rodrigo, what's happening to my pre's? I spray them and it's been dry. Calm down, uh, the herbicides are still there. The molecules that we use in our corn soybean production systems, they're pretty stable. Uh, they will not volatilize, and they are pretty stable as far as late light degradation goes. Uh, the catch there is that they're just not controlling weeds because they're just sitting on soil surface, okay? Then the next question I got is, Rodrigo, we're finally getting rain. How much rain is needed to activate my herbicide? And as everything in agronomy, the good answer to that is? Depends, right? Uh, but usually we like to see half an inch or three-quarters of an inch to activate the herbicide uh, but what some research uh, published recently from the University of Illinois has shown is that between two and four inches of rain within 15 days after applying a pre-herbicide, this is when you get excellent control. And we definitely did not have that uh, this year. So again, water is crucial. If we get good water from the get-go, from the get-go, we're going to have excellent early season control. If not, what we got to do, Bob, is adjust our post-emergence application. We got to have a plan B. If it's a dry spring, the pre's won't work immediately. You just got to go out there and deliver a post-application earlier uh, than you have uh, probably, uh, uh, you know, intended for. So this is, this is how things go in a dry year. And the forecasts are that 2024 is probably going to be another dry year. It's a forecast, so do we believe it or not? And also the question about the, the herbicides. Do we need more research and development for herbicides that will react, that don't rely strictly on moisture? Yes, that is a phenomenal question. Uh, Bob, as a matter of fact, I spent time in Nebraska over here, you know, this past week during Thanksgiving, and I had a chance to talk to some farmers in there, and this is something they deal with every year. Nebraska is much drier than us here in Wisconsin, so what they do, they pay close attention uh, to the properties of the herbicides that they spray. Usually here in Wisconsin, we're not too worried about them because we usually get pretty decent moisture in the spring, right? And as a matter of fact, that's what I'm discussing here this week during the update meetings. I'm going to be talking more about that during the Ag Classic meeting and also the Corn Soy Expo in the Dells uh, uh, early next year. What are we looking at? We're looking at the properties of the herbicides. Herbicides that have higher solubility, they require less water to get into the soil. Okay, so in dry years, it's good to have herbicides that have uh, higher solubility because, again, less rainfall for activation. On the flip side, if it's an incredibly wet year, then leaching becomes a problem. So it's this fine dance that we got to, you know, do here. And then one of the recommendations that we have, and, you know, historically, you, if you've heard from me, you hear me saying, look, let's, when you're putting a pre-program out, let's have two or three sites of action, right? Two or three active ingredients. This is great from a herbicide resistance management standpoint. What we have just learned here, Bob, and also this University of Illinois research confirms that, is that multiple AIs from a pre-emergence herbicide standpoint is not only good for resistance management, but is also excellent to protect us in dry year or incredibly wet years. Why? Because when you have multiple AIs working together, if you have a year that's bad for one AI, that other AI is still there helping you out. So if it's, let's say, if you have something with high solubility, okay, it's very dry, that herbicide is going to kick in faster. 
but if it's got if it's an year that you have excessive rainfall, if you have something with low less solubility in there, the herbicide will stay there longer. So they kind of balance each other. So you reduce the risk of failures of weed control when you mix things together. Rodrigo Worley is with us, Extension Weed Specialist, University of Wisconsin in Madison. And uh, Rodrigo, you mentioned the herbicide challenges that we have, but the climate challenges as we go forward, look at another year, making it easier for insects as well as probably weed seeds to overwinter. I mean, we've got some real weed challenges out there, and are they, are they, if we're not on top of it, are they getting away from us too much? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. Uh, as far as, you know, how things go in the winter here, that is the one advantage that weeds have, right? Uh, that weed can really last in that uh, seed bank. So what you saw happening this year, as far as, as the time you're harvesting, uh, you got to keep in mind that those seeds are going to be there waiting for you uh, next year. So you got to be, you know, paying close attention to what just happened. Where it concerns me with the weather variability that we may get is how our strategies perform. Right, so you going in next year, you know you have uh, fields that have heavy infestation uh, of weeds. If you don't have like this activating rainfall for pre-herbicides, they may not do the trick, and then you need to rely more on your posts. One thing that I want to mention here, uh, Bob, there is this idea out there that controlling stressed weeds, like water stressed weeds, is easier. It's actually much the opposite. Okay, so if you have a weed that's growing during a drought condition, controlling that weed post-emergence is a lot more difficult than what it is controlling a similar weed if if you did not have those drought conditions. Uh, weeds under drought, they develop uh, thicker cuticles. Their skin, okay, is a lot thicker, so it's a lot harder for those herbicides to get in, okay? So one of the things that we tell our growers out there to pay attention to is if it's a drought year, those weeds are stressed, okay? Pay attention to the rates of the post-herbicides you're spraying, you know, go the labeled rate, but also pay it attention to the adjuvant package that those herbicides require because in drought years it is very important to have a really good adjuvant program with your herbicide program to make sure those herbicides can get inside the plants therefore controlling them. Are we making progress? I know we are but how much? I mean the challenges are out there. I mean water hemp, uh, giant ragweed, the mare's tail, some places they're pretty prolific. Are we making progress? Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. Are we making progress? Uh, I think I think we are. Uh, overall, we are. Uh, you know, folks that uh, started struggling with this this weed, especially water hemp. Okay, like five six years ago, they've learned their lessons now. Okay, uh, and those folks are doing uh, really really well. But then you drive around the countryside, and you know, some cases I think you know some growers could be uh, potentially doing a little bit uh, better job. Sometimes they're not as worried, right? So you got to have this communication too, right? But the, the the farmers out there that are worried about the weeds that are you know doing kind of what we recommend. Uh, I mean, they're they're on top they're on top of them. But again, you know, it's it's just very difficult to control weed, and sometimes when you, even when you do everything right, you're still gonna have some escapes. So the long story short here, uh, Bob, you know, like water hemp is just like giant ragweed. It's it's here, it's here to stay. Uh, we just gotta stay on top of it year after year. And again, that's Rodrigo Worley. He's a weed specialist with the University of Wisconsin Madison. And Bob had a chance to speak with him and. Just a nice guy. Really, he loves his weeds. <laughs> so some interesting stuff. Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock is joining us now. Good morning, Rocky. Good morning. So we had a busy weekend. I was at sporting events. You were at sporting events. Are you ready to run a marathon just to not be sitting for a while? Yeah. Yeah, no, sounds good. 
Good. Well, hey, speaking of running, you've got a busy week going on. Catch us up. What's going on at Premier? What happened last week and what's going on this week? Uh, thank you, Kristen. Good morning, everyone. This is how uh, last week's market shaped up here at Premier Livestock. Uh, we did sell 3,100 head of livestock, high choice and prime Holstein fed steers from 146 to 159, uh, extreme top of 164, uh, selected low choice from 137 to 145, choice beef steers and heifers up to $1.70.50, uh, market cows traded stronger, high yielding cows from 105 to 126, many from 88 to 104, market bulls high yielding from 105 to 120, organic market cows sold every Monday and Tuesday, mostly from 120 to 157. Uh, calf market pretty much on fire there, guys. Uh, newborn Holstein bull calves extremely strong, mostly from 250 to 595. Your beef cross calves from 350 to 755. Holstein heifer calves 200 and down. Dairy cattle auction held uh, last Wednesday. Uh, over right about uh, 200 and some head of dairy cattle. Uh, fresh cows brought 2,300 to 3,000. Other good cows from 18 to 2275 your top spring and heifers from 1850 all the way up to 2700 this week regular feeder cattle auction at 11 and then uh, Wednesday big dairy cattle auction expecting over 300 head of dairy cattle with 150 cow parlor freestall herd many loads of top fresh cows including 40 Jersey cows and another load of Jersey spring and heifers and top fresh cows full list of early consignments at premier livestock and auctions.com Questions, give us a call at Premier at 715-229-2500. Don't forget large farm machinery auction coming up on March 15th. So that's how the week shaped up, and that's what's coming up. Sounds good. March 15th. That's not too far away. Nope, nope. We gotta, we're all busy, but we got to start getting that equipment in. So. All right. So if you got equipment, bring it in to Rocky at Premier. All right. Sounds good. There he goes. Thanks so much, Rocky. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thank you. There he goes, Rocky Olson at Premier Livestock in Withy. Good morning, Morgan, and I guess catch us up. What's going on in the newsroom this morning? Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today as we plug into a new week earlier than expected. That's the word from Chippewa. St. Joe's Hospital in Chippewa Falls originally said they would close in April, but a letter sent out last week updated that with a closing date of March 22nd. Of course, HSHSM Prevea leaving a community reeling after announcing they're closing all of the hospitals and clinics in the Chippewa Valley. The closing means patients in St. Joseph's will need to find new doctors as of mid-March. We'll continue to follow in the aftermath of those announcements as the days and weeks go on. In Headlines from the Kadad area. A man who was hurt in a snowmobile crash earlier this month has died. Mark Sibbers was hurt when he crashed a snowmobile along a public trail near Mauston, with friends and family saying that over the weekend he did pass away from injuries. Another man from Chippewa County also died in that wreck. The Department of Natural Resources and the Juneau County Sheriff's Office continue to investigate. At the lawmaker level, we go to the Capitol, where Wisconsin lawmakers are looking to do something about childhood obesity this week. An assembly panel will hold a hearing on the proposals that came from the Speaker's Task Force on Childhood Obesity and that includes two plans to spend about $5 million on childhood obesity prevention and management. There is another plan that would require schools across the state to have at least three hours of physical activity per week and declare a week for food professionals as well. We'll look a little bit closer at those headlines as the assembly meets. Maybe you're not ready to face the taxes quite yet, but you can pay Wisconsin income taxes starting today. The Department of Revenue says tax filing season begins today, so once again, the state suggests you file online. Department of Revenue says the WIS tax system is probably the fastest way to get a refund 
refund. You could also track the status of your refund online. And here in Wisconsin, of course, we have until April to get those taxes filed. And sometimes it feels like life is a puzzle, but nobody gave you the outline to know what picture you're trying to put together. You can call yourself a dissectologist. Turns out that's what it is when you put things together, right, Bree? It's National Puzzle Day, a celebration of the minds that partake in puzzles. From Jigsaw to Sudoku, puzzles are a pastime of 48% of American adults. Psychology Today says puzzles improve memory, cognitive function, and problem-solving skills. And if you do them, you're detail-oriented and most likely highly intelligent. I'm Bree Tennis. And really isn't farming one big puzzle every single day? I hope the pieces are coming together for you this morning as we send it back to the barn with Kristen Smith, Jill Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report on WAC 104.5. Thank you so much, Morgan, for that update. I like that. I put puzzles together all the time. I'm always pub- puzzled, but I haven't spent a while since I put puzzles together. All right, so you can even buy the 30-piece puzzle for your grandkids. You guys can sit down and do it. It didn't say you had to do a big puzzle to be intelligent. <laughs> I do puzzles with them when they come to my house. I have some floor puzzles that we do. But when I babysat the other night, it was Play-Doh time. Ooh. I like Play-Doh, and they were having a ball. And I was amazed because one is three and a half, and the other is uh, two or one and a half. And they played with Play-Doh a long time. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe, the you know, sometimes... Attention spans aren't <laughs> the longest. Yep. But I would we, rather have my kids play with Play-Doh than kinetic sand. Kinetic sand kind of gets in everything. Yes. And we sat at the table and played Play-Doh, so we did good. You did good? Now, did they make you supper with the Play-Doh? <laughs> Actually, yes, yes they did. <laughs> How did I know that was going to come up as a yes? <laughs> See, I put puzzles together in my head. Oh, okay. See, you know, I put those pieces together like that, babysitting, grandma, splashing in the tub, and then you said Play-Doh, and I knew they made supper. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> I just sat back and relaxed. Nothing wrong with that. That's what grandma's got to do. It's going to be a long night. Got to head over to the markets this morning. We've got Jim Lindsay from the Equity Altoona Barn. He's just popping in now. Good morning, Jim. Catch us up. What's going on at the Equity Altoona Barn? Choice beef steers and heifers, $1.45 to $1.69. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers, $1.45 to $1.64. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers, $1.50 to $1.58. Choice Holstein steers, $1.40 to $1.49. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, $1.39 and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from $1.02 to $1.12 at the top of $1.13. 60% of the cows sold from $68 to $1.01. Bottom 20% of the cows sold from $67 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of the organic cows sold from $1.19 to $1.00. Forty-seven. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from a dollar eighteen and down. Cull bulls sold from ninety-five to a dollar fifteen. Thin full horn and lightweight bulls all discounted. Eighty percent of the ninety-five pound up Holstein bull calves sold from two hundred and seventy to four hundred and thirty-five dollars per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from two hundred and seventy dollars per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from three hundred and forty to six hundred and ninety dollars per head. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, February second, starting at noon. We will feature bred beef cows at the sale. All feeder sales are live on Kettle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Kettle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. You too, Jim. Thank you so much for that update. And now we're going to head over to the Stratford Equity Barn and check in with Jerry Fitzgerald. Good morning, Jerry. Well, Kristen, and a good morning to you and Jill. And again, we are going to slide out of January here without any 
major weather other than the fact that it's uh, pretty foggy again, folks. So if you're, uh, well, you probably know that if you're in the barn already. So, uh, again, if you're bringing livestock in this morning, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take for this fog to lift up. But, again, be careful because it's uh, just one of those things, I guess, instead of dealing with snowstorms, now we have to deal with fog. So maybe we... Uh, we could, it's like, what's that city where it's foggy all the time? Or Seattle, isn't it, where the weather's always damp and foggy and crappy? Yeah, <laughs> it rains there, I think, like nine months out of the year or something like that. Oh, well, a little little moisture wouldn't hurt us, but we don't want rain in January. So, mm-hmm. well, in the meantime, in the meantime, we better update the folks on what's uh, going to be happening here at Equity Stratford this week. Sounds good. Take it away, Jer. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Uh, full Marketing Week on tap here again at Equity Stratford, and uh, we'll get on the way this morning, bright and early at 10 o'clock with market auction. Uh, we'll sell the market cows this morning, and we'll sell uh, fed cattle and also market bulls. We'll get to those calves about 11.30, just a uh, brief look at last week. Markets were very strong again, um, both the cattle and the calves. Uh, Fancy cows topped up to 114, and we had uh, charge grading Holstein, prime Holsteins up to 157. Calf market very strong. Holstein bull calves all the way up to 590 last Monday. Uh, those beef calves all the way up to 800 last Monday. So we'll wait and see what happens with the market this week. We'll look for a continued strong market. Tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, we get started at 10 o'clock with the hay and bedding auction. And 11 o'clock, we move into the market auction, and that we will start that tomorrow with the uh, organic market cattle, which we do sell every uh, single Tuesday here in Australia. Our Wednesday auction starting around 10.30. Sheep, hog, and goats also on Wednesday as part of the regular market auction featuring fed cattle, feeder cattle at 12.30. And uh, our Thursday auction does start at 11 with full marketing day also on Thursday. So, uh, again, a uh, busy marketing week on tap here. And uh, so, uh, folks, if you're uh, interested in more detail on the prices from last week, I invite you to take a look at our website, Equity Co-op. Click on the Stratford page. And as per usual, we do have... Uh, a lot of cattle for private treaty auction. If you folks are in the dairy or the beef business, take a look at that also on our website. Again, Equity Co-op. Click on the Stratford page, and you'll be there. And uh, I was just uh, looking at the calendar here. Uh, Friday, of course, is uh, Groundhog's Day, and it's kind of be a fairly warm day. So maybe that would be a good opportunity for Kristen, you and Jill, to maybe uh, be probably warm enough. Maybe you could... Uh, Kind of when you go check out the groundhog, you kind of feature your your new summer swimwear or something, you know. Or. I'm waiting for Bob to do that because he'll be back from Hawaii with a tan. Oh well, that would be uh, because they're talking what sunny on Friday or whatever. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens with where's that old boy down at Sun Prairie somewhere? I think he is. <laughs> no, he's in Hawaii. No, I'm talking about the groundhog. Oh, the groundhog. <laughs> well, there's a couple of them around. I don't know which one you listen to. There's what what is it a Jimmy and Sun Prairie and uh, Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens. But in the meantime, uh, uh, you ladies have a nice day, and I'll be back here tomorrow morning to update the markets uh, as we get underway this morning at 10 o'clock. And uh, you guys were talking about puzzles before. Um, we got some really smart grandkids, you know, and, and they get a puzzle out, and always on their ages, three to five. And uh, I look at them, I said, well, you kids got to work on this puzzle. Grandpa we got three to five years, it says. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, anyway, so much for that. You ladies have a nice day. And again, folks, a serious note, do drive careful because it's pretty foggy. I'm watching the traffic. Uh, folks are uh, driving a little slower, so take care. We'll talk to you ladies tomorrow morning. Sounds good. There he goes, Jerry Fitzgerald at the Stratford Equity Barn. Anybody that's ever been around a dairy barn sees footpaths around here, and uh, their reason, they're there. That's biosecurity, health of the animals. Dan Undersander is with us. 
our state forage specialist, on our next Grow Alfalfa Update program. But uh, it's not all roses and glory with the foot baths. We've got to be careful with those things, too, don't we, Dan? That's right. Uh, it's like everything else. Uh, foot baths are a wonderful tool. Uh, most of them use copper sulfate as the chemical in there because it is the cheapest product, and it is uh, very effective in terms of uh, reducing heel warts on cattle. And it's probably used by about 70% of U.S. dairies. But one of the things to keep in mind, though, is what happens to the copper in the dip after we change the solution in that uh, dip. Many people just uh, put the product into the uh, manure pit, and then it goes out onto a field. But the thing to keep in mind is that, it, first off, a person should determine how much they're putting out there, but also to consider that whatever copper they put out onto that field is uh, going to stay there. It's not leached out. It doesn't uh, volatilize, but it is there in the soil, and it can be taken up then by any plants growing on that field. And so we should be a little bit attentive to how much copper we're putting out, how much we're raising the copper level of the field, and are we going to get to any problems with any of the crops grown on that field. A couple of things. uh, One, again, is to think a little bit about uh, how much we can allow. Certainly, uh, you can tell how you're doing with alfalfa by doing a tissue test sample the top six inches uh, just prior to harvest and have it analyzed for minerals. And as long as we're in the uh, 10 to 30 part per million range, we're probably okay. If we see that our fields are gradually increasing in copper, then we might want to do something about that eventually. The other thing to keep in mind is that different crops will take up the copper to different extents. And so if we're putting on a pasture, our grasses will have different copper levels than the clovers or legumes will have in that field. The last thing to keep in mind is that uh, some animals are much more sensitive to copper toxicity than others, and particularly sheep. So if we're going to put this onto a pasture where we might be grazing some sheep, Uh, We need to be a bit more cautious about uh, the copper going onto that field than if uh, we're uh, harvesting with cattle or baking hay. And again, in all cases, the important thing would be to watch the copper levels in the forage. And if we see that they're starting to increase significantly, then we should consider doing something different with some of the copper rather than simply putting it into the mirror pit and applying it onto our fields. Something else to watch on the farm, the copper in those foot baths. Thank Dan. Dan Undersander, our state forage specialist on our next Grow Alfalfa Update program. There he goes. Thank you so much, Bob, for that update. And let's take a look at our morning markets one last time this morning. 
On the Chicago Board of Trade here, March corn was down four to four forty one. March oats up a penny at three sixty five. March beans down a dime to eleven ninety nine. March soybean meal down a dollar ninety to three forty seven ten a ton. March wheat down a dime at five ninety. Country elevators in the area: Golden Plump in Arcadia is at four oh nine for corn. Baldwin's at 377 and 1114. Chippewa Falls is at 376, 1127. Durand is at 372, 1104. Mondovi's at 377, 1109. Elmwood, 382, 1114. Fall Creek is at 372 for corn, 1104 for beans. Osseo's at 387 and 1114. Elk Mound is at 382 and 1121. Sparta, 387 and 1110. Ellsworth, 367, 1109. And in Loyal, they're at 382 and 1109. Ethanol plants in the area. Boysville's at 397, along with New Richmond. Stanley's at 402. On the dairy side, barrel cheese was up three to $1.47. Your blocks were up one and a half cents to $1.53 and three quarters. Double A grade butter was up seven and a quarter cent to two seventy six. And your class three futures for January were unchanged at fifteen twenty. February up twenty at sixteen oh six. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.